Welcome to my Japanese Green Tea Podcast, a show dedicated to Japanese tea. Hosted by tea blogger Ricardo Caicedo. Hello, tea lovers, and welcome to episode 21 of my Japanese Green Tea Podcast. Today we'll be talking with Tia's Hybrid. A fellow Japanese tea blogger, he writes at Tea Talk, and in case you haven't visited his blog, the address is www.tea-talk.be. Hi, Ts, and thanks for joining the show. Hi, Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo, I'm very happy to be here, and uh, I'm very glad you um, invited me to the show. Give us a quick introduction about you and your blog. Well, I actually started blogging pretty recently. Um, I've always had a passion for uh, Japanese tea, and um, I've also been a very fond uh, practitioner of the Japanese tea ceremony for a long time. Now, um, somewhere mid last year, I actually started feeling the need and the necessity to do something actual with that passion and um, that I could actually share with the people or other people that are that have the same interest. So from that perspective I actually started writing um, the blog and the concept tea talk. Well it's pretty small still but I'd like actually to get bigger with tea talk get a larger reader public and actually be able to also get to bring people together through the um, the same theme of Japanese green tea. Okay, that's great. And you're also a practitioner of the of the Enshu style of the tea ceremony, right? Yes. Um, Enshu school. It's uh, the well in Japanese. It's called the Enshu Ryu, briefly explained in English as the Enshu school of tea. It's well, founded by a person called Kobori Enshu, and it's, of course, that person who has lent his name to um, the naming of the school itself as well. Um, I started practicing uh, six years, let's say about seven now, seven years ago when I first, um, well, a little bit after I first came to Japan. And ever since, I've been uh, keeping up with the practice and actually, in another two weeks, I'll be um, going down to Tokyo to actually participate in a ceremony where I will be officially granted the title of um, tea master, well, tea teacher. It's called a shihan in uh, Japanese. And it will allow me to also uh, officially get my tea name and um, be able to teach the tea ceremony. Oh, I see. So you're, you're really advanced. Um, I'm passionate. I'd rather call it that way. Okay, so for the readers that, that they don't know much about the Japanese tea ceremony in general, uh, can you give us like a quick overview of, of what the Japanese tea ceremony is? Uh, yes, definitely. Basically, the tea ceremony started with a person called Senno Rikyu. He mostly codified the tea ceremony into a set of actions um, as they are known today as well. He made this ceremony to what we call a tea ceremony nowadays and um, his pupils and descendants actually that have formed the, the largest schools um, of the tea ceremony that are available uh, nowadays. 
So actually, his direct descendants, um, three of his nephews, actually founded the Omote Senke, Uda Senke, and Mushano Koji Senke schools, which are both, uh, well, all three of them, merchant-style schools of tea. Uh, why I actually mention this is because the Enshu school and other um, related schools, uh, mostly from disciples, actually, from Rikyu, are non-merchant but um, warrior-style schools. Um, because the head of the schools were um, mostly daimyo, very um, advanced warlord masters. Kobori Enshu in himself, he was a, a very great daimyo in the beginning of the Edo period, 17th, well, 18th century. He wasn't only a great key master, but he also built gardens, uh, assisted with the construction of um, Edo Castle. Quite a, a renowned architect as well. Given his status as um, a daimyo, a warlord, um, uh, a feudal lord, that actually reflects on how he conducts his tea ceremony as well. Why did you decide to, to join the Enshu school instead of the other more popular ones? Um, for me, it wasn't as much um, the ability to choose, actually. Um, it all happened very abruptly and it was mostly coincidence actually that I ended up in the Enshu school which is now of course a school that I very much like and a style um, of practicing the tea ceremony which I feel very comfortable with. It was basically when I came to Japan as an exchange student that I met this teacher at the, um, the university I came to as an exchange student and he invited me to one of his um, tea classes. He said, I'm a, I'm a tea teacher and I would like to uh, expand the tea experience to um, foreign students as well, give them the, um, the opportunity to experience something uh, Japanese. So given the interest that I, that I already had in tea, this was a great opportunity. So I said, well, of course, um, let me try it. And that's actually when I got hooked. Now, this certain teacher had been practicing in the Enshu school for many, many years, and um, the school he was teaching was, of course, also the Enshu school. So that's basically how I got enrolled in, uh, well, in the Enshu school of tea. And what, what would be the difference between, between the Enshu school and, and, the, and the other schools? Well, the biggest difference that I could actually name would be the fact that the Enshu school of tea is more of um, a warrior-style school of tea. And that would be in opposition to the other schools, uh, well, mostly Uda Senke, Omote Senke, Mushana Koji Senke, the three Senke, uh, which are merchant schools. Warriors in general actually have to be more imposters, have a larger figure, be imposing to the other party. It might be um, a dangerous party, for example. Oh, I see. <laughs> and... Um, in a tea room environment as well as outside the tea room, anything that could form a threat to one's life. Even all the utensils that are used in a tea ceremony could be used as weapons. So that idea, that mindset of being careful and um, always being alert to what the other person might do is something that also resembles in the ceremony, and which is why we at the Enshu school make every movement look big. We try to make large movements, large, um, well, open our arms widely and 
clearly show what we're actually doing. It also provides a comfort to the guests to know and to see, to be able to know that um, we're not trying to hide any of our movements and we're not trying to hide anything of the things that uh, are going on in the tea room setting. Okay, so what I get of it is like someone could be dangerous, so you're showing, you make sure that you that everyone sees that there, that there's no threat that there's like peace is that yes kind of the idea well, that is kind of the um the background behind the movements that we're actually making right now we're not making the movements because of the fact that we have to be careful for whoever is with us in the room contemporarily we're making the movements because they have been made for many years before us originate in a time when it was for far more dangerous, uh, being in a single room with a person you might not know as well as you think you know him. In the ancient times, like there could be a, a fight after the ceremony? There, of course, would be a possibility. Okay, and is the philosophy the same as like many martial arts in Japan? Well, there, is, um, there has been many books written about the um, relation of uh, the tea ceremony and martial arts. Um, what I've explained now is uh, mostly one part of um, the mindset of martial arts that could also be um, retrieved within the tea ceremony. However, I'd, I'd say if we were looking for some specific um, aesthetic or um, belief that could be found in the... Um, the ceremonies as they are conducted in the praxis as it is conducted in the um, ancient school, then I would more actually refer to the beauty of things. The Sinke schools and more so Diki was actually fond of uh, what is known as wabi-sabi. You could define that as the beauty of the imperfect. Um, while as the ancient school tries to look for things that are actually beautiful, gorgeous, a little bit more than something else. Okay, not, not so imperfect. Not so imperfect. Uh, there are some impurities in some things, but it's difficult to explain, but if you see the utensils that are actually used within, well, um, that were used in ceremonies by Kobori and Shi, or the, um, the, the tea bowls or the, the tea caddies, that were favored by Kobori and Shu, um, you can see clear distinction and you could also see clearly what he would indicate with um, beauty. Uh, the word actually he uses for that certain beauty is um, kire sabi, and that means, well, stained beauty. Sabi is actually rust, so it's okay. a rusty okay. beauty. Are the utensils themselves are the same? You mean the, the matcha bowl and the tea whisk and and all this, right? Yes, they are the same. However, the bowls he favors are different and the tea whisk actually, and uh, I'm, I'm glad actually you brought the tea whisk up because most tea whisks, if you ever seen one, um, have this little knot in front and um, some little cord coming out. Yeah. So that's uh, the black cord where actually the tines are um, fastened. And that little black knot on the front, that's something that's not existent on um, a tea whisk in the NSU school. So it doesn't have a knot? It doesn't have a knot on the outside. It has a knot on the inside. You oh, I see. Not show the knot and make it look as one round hole around the, the tines. Because it just looks ugly having that knot on the outside. And that is one of um, 
those tiny details that can be found back in uh, in the utensils that are used by the NC school and one of the differences of um, the NC school of tea. And there's also a difference in in whisking, and the whisking motion is different. Yes, um, and that also relates to the movement, the large movement we try to make. Um, we don't hold the tea whisk from the top, but we hold it from the side, and we don't only make the movement with our wrist, um, but make the movement with our whole arm, actually starting in the shoulder. Does it make more froth that way, or um, the result is the same? I think it's more a thing of what you're used to. To me, yes, it makes more froth than if I'd only do it with my uh, with my wrist because I'd be able to make a bigger movement. I'm just not that used to using my wrist alone. <laughs> okay. When one reads about the Japanese tea ceremony history and all this, yes, so sometimes it seemed like they were getting ready for for death, like they're going, they're doing the tea ceremony to calm themselves before battle. Mm -hmm. Is that still like something inside the Enshu school? Like you have to be enjoy the moment because you could be dead the next time? Is that something like that? Well, it's definitely um, one of the reasons why the ceremony is what it is right now. It's definitely one of the reasons that the tea ceremony has become um, a meditational act for many pr practitioners as well. Certainly for me, and that's actually one of the biggest reasons I, I still practice the tea ceremony is because it's an extremely, extremely relaxing activity. And it focuses the mind on doing one thing only. Just being one with the ceremony, being one with what you're doing, being one with the utensils, being one with the room, being, being one with the guests, and fully living that moment that experience definitely creates a, a mindset that is um, at ease after the ceremony is done and I believe of course that um, in the ancient times well ancient times in uh, medieval Japan uh, Edo period Japan that was the tea ceremony next to the political purpose it also served um, definitely had the purpose of calming someone or preparing someone for a very big deed that, in most cases, um, had to do with death. So right now, the reason someone would become a student of, of the Japanese tea ceremony, it would be like for more like meditation purpose, like to relax, or maybe he likes the beauty of it? There's a few sorts of um, tea practitioners. There's people who like the beauty of the utensils, um, like the beauty of the ceremony, and um, actually practice it as a form of art, which they would like to per perfect within, within themselves. There are people who practice the tea ceremony as a sole meditative purpose. Uh, purpose. Well, there's people who just um, have a lot of utensils themselves and would like to know how to use them. So it's about everything except the tea. The tea is just there, but, but no one really goes thinking of, I want to drink tea, right? It's a very good point you make. It's <laughs> all about the utensils, all about the, the action of doing the ceremony. It is almost never about the tea. But anyway, it should taste like, it must have like a standard taste, right? If someone does it not the right way, can you notice? Uh, yes, taste? of course. Um, 
if the whisking movement is not done right, the you can know that the tea is either too lukewarm or if, especially for tin tea, if the water was too hot, or for example, if there wasn't enough power in the whisking movement and uh, the tea didn't mix very well with the water, then it's um, it's a very grainy uh, tea that will remain. When you start studying, how do you study? Is it like something that you do on the weekends, or is it, is there a set schedule? How, uh, do you, how do you become a tea master? <laughs> how do you become a tea master? Uh, it's maybe a question I'm not gonna answer that straightforward as you uh, were able to pose the question. The practice in itself, um, I started doing it just uh, on the weekends. Um, my teacher had a class every Saturday and um, I partook in that class. So every weekend on Saturday I went down to um, the house where we would be practicing and that is what I did for the, the next few years. Once I actually got better and got into um, thick tea as well, I also started practicing in uh, in Nara at the Yakushiji temple on Thursdays. And for that, I mostly went two times a month. Now, that makes about six times of practice in a month. And for a tea ceremony, that is quite a lot. Usually what you get for practice is one at the most two times a month. More than that, usually don't get. I was very lucky with my teacher who was actually very eager to teach and um, also had his well specific tea room at disposal which he could use just every week and whenever he needed. So that was very helpful for me as well as um, for for the speed I was able to, to learn with. And now that you're taking the exam Did your teacher suggest that, that you take the exam because you were ready? It was my teacher who actually granted me the right to apply for the title. Oh, I see. Um, it's basically, in the tea ceremony, you never change teachers. Um, you always stay with um, a certain teacher. And that teacher basically decides your skill. So he actually says, well, he, he's able to uh, perform until this level or... He's able to become a teacher now. He knows just as much as I do. At that time, he will then um, send a letter to the head of the school saying, well, I would like to um, propose this person as a teacher. You want to be a, a teacher? You want to teach Enshu School Tea Ceremony? That is definitely something I would like to do, yes. Um, I've been practicing for these many years, uh, six, seven years now, I've come to a point that I'm actually very confident and comfortable with conducting the ceremony, well, the ceremonies, because there's quite um, a lot of different ceremonies related to which utensils you're using or whom you're inviting. But I'm getting, well, I feel that I'm quite um, confident and um, comfortable with doing those. Now I think it's the time for me to not only just teach, but I would actually like to work towards um, tourists, foreign students, um, foreigners in Japan that are in Japan for only a short period of time and usually don't get to experience any of those um, Japanese-style arts. For them, I would actually like to um, do something more and 
what that is going to be something I would like to figure out. T-Talk, um, my blog, yeah. is a help for me as well just to get um, my thoughts figured out and get my information at the right place about tea in general, which I would also like to um, bring back into the ceremony. Okay, Tia, so thanks for sharing your your knowledge about the Enshu school with us, and I wish you the best of luck with your work. Great. Um, it was a pleasure for me being on the show and um, being able to chat. Um, I hope we get a, we get another chance to, uh, soon, and um, I'll be looking forward to reading more of your blog as well. Okay, so thank you and, and goodbye. Have a nice day. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you everyone for listening and remember that you can look at the show notes on www.myjapanesegreentea.com slash episode 21. Thank you for listening to My Japanese Green Tea Podcast. Join us again next time 